There's a scene in the movie Amazing Grace that always gets me. The movie tells the story of William Wilberforce's battle to abolish the slave trade in England. And right after the decisive vote, a member of the House of Lords stands up, stands up and gives this brief speech. When people speak of great men, they think of men like Napoleon, men of violence. Rarely do they think of peaceful men. But contrast the reception they will receive when they return home from their battles. Napoleon will arrive in pomp and in power, a man who's achieved the very summit of earthly ambition. And yet his dreams will be haunted by the oppressions of war. William Wilberforce, however, will return to his family, lay his head on his pillow, and remember the slave trade is no more. It's a powerful speech, and one of the things, one of the reasons I think it is, it's that it's not just rehearsing a list of accomplishments. Rather, it makes us rethink what it means to be great. Something very similar is going on in today's gospel passage. Jesus tells his disciples that he is on his way to Jerusalem, where he will face suffering and death, and on the third day rise. As they continue on the way, the disciples start arguing with one another. When Jesus asks what they're arguing about, a sudden quiet comes over the disciples because, how embarrassing, they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Now Jesus might have scolded them for thinking of themselves right after he told them about his upcoming death, but instead he uses it as an opportunity to teach them, to focus their attention on more, the more important question that they should have been asking. Not which one of us is the greatest, but what is true greatness? The challenge Jesus lays before us is to be great not in our own eyes or in the eyes of the world, but in the things that matter to God. So Jesus first defines true greatness and then gives us an illustration of how it's expressed in life. This is one area where Christian teaching differs radically from the world's. After all, the world tells us the greatness consists in having a lot for oneself, a lot of honors, a lot of wealth, a lot of success, a lot of power, having many people under you, many people serving you. Jesus tells us that true greatness is being last of all and servant of all. The contrast could hardly be more stark. Christian greatness is not having great things, but using what you have to help and serve others. This notion of greatness paradoxically both raises the bar and makes it available to everyone. It raises the bar because it is not enough simply to have great things, to have possessions or power or social influence. To be great, we must also use those gifts to serve others. But it also makes greatness within everyone's reach since it does not require great things, but only that we use whatever we have in service. True greatness, then, is using what we have to serve others, and it's expressed by laying down part of ourselves for the sake of another, offering my life for yours, or our life for theirs. This is the point of the illustration Jesus uses, taking a child and wrapping her up in his arms, which 
to us may seem like a very natural thing to do. Children are, after all, innocent and honest, filled with joy and wonder. So who wouldn't welcome a child? But we have to remember that in those days, children were regarded as among the least important members of society. By telling his disciples to welcome such as these, Jesus was telling them to swallow their pride, lay aside their sense of honor and importance, and serve the least in their midst. I'm reminded of an episode from the life of St. Thomas Aquinas. Thomas was offered a distinguished position as abbot of the Benedictine Abbey of Monte Cassino, but he declined the offer in order to take up with the newly founded Order of Dominicans, begging friars, as they were called. He did this because of what one biography called his tall and towering ambition to take the lowest place. I love that phrase, the tall and towering ambition to take the lowest place. Thomas was on the path to true greatness, and nothing would deter him. The great thing about this principle is that it can be applied in virtually any circumstance, in large ways, like sacrificing your career for the sake of your family, or giving your time to help with children and youth at church, and also in small ways, like letting another parishioner have the last cookie at coffee hour. That's difficult for me. There are dozens of situations every day in which we can live out this teaching on greatness by offering ourselves for others in our homes and families, in our church and in our community. Well, today is rally day, the day we gather as a parish family to kick off our formation year, to hold up all those in our community from the least to the greatest, and invite them to enter more fully into this community of faith. Next week, we go to three services, and our children, youth, and adult formation begins in earnest. And this year, we have a new opportunity to gather together on Thursday evenings to pray, eat, and grow together. Rally Day is a wonderful time of celebration. It's also a good time to be reminded that the shape of Christian community, what makes it truly great, is a willingness to serve others with the gifts we've been given. It is my hope and prayer that each of you will find here a community marked by service and a place in which your gifts can be offered in service to others and to the glory of God. But talk is cheap, as the saying goes. It's easy to talk about serving others with our lives, much harder to actually do it. But take heart we follow the example of one who not only taught about greatness, but who lived a truly great life. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Because of the service he rendered to us, we are freed from the need to heap up honors and recognition for ourselves. Instead, we can use what we have in the service of the one who gave himself so completely for us.